Hello everybody and welcome back to the Dragon's Library. So today we are doing something a bit different. You see, I originally planned to review Stranger Things Season 4 Part 2 today. However, Stranger Things Season 4 Part 2 is two episodes. Because someone doesn't understand what Part 1 and Part 2 means. Now, this is a bit disingenuous to a certain extent, as Episodes 8 and 9 are both much longer than the ordinary episodes. Episode 8 is about an hour and a half, and Episode 9 is not an episode, it is a goddamn movie at two and a half hours long. Which means, despite this only being two episodes, it's about five episodes of actual content. Probably closer to seven, as it doesn't have to do with a lot of the startup and slow down stuff that most episodes have to do near the beginning or end. So, I am left with a bit of a debacle here. There isn't much I can talk about in the end of the season that, without spoiling part one, and I'm sort of doing this as a capstone to review season four. So, I'm going to talk about how my opinions have changed based on what new information we've gathered while trying to keep this section spoiler-free. As you know, these exceptions are a bit more scripted, and as a result, I'm going to try and keep this brief, because there's not a whole lot to say. First up, I will say that this is definitely an improvement, not necessarily in the sense that the fourth season part one was bad, more than since I wasn't sure they were going to stick the landing. But after having seen season four part two, I can definitely say Stranger Things season four as a whole is a continuation of the high bar of quality we've come to expect from Stranger Things, and... It seems to be setting up the final fifth season of Stranger Things, which will be coming out sometime in the future, and I am eager to see it. Good ending, nice core premise, you got some stakes going on here, and they've really leaned into the themes of the, like, the satan drawing on themes of the satanic panic that they called upon in season four. This idea of humans lashing out at those fearful things in the dark they don't understand and the cruelty of the people around you that you might not understand, as well as the way that appearances can be deceiving. The whole, the jock turns out to be a murderous asshole who's willing to kill a guy because he blames him for the death of his girlfriend, whereas the, you know, D&D &D guy who has all the same imagery turns out to be a heroic uh, figure who helps save the town. And I like the subversion of just because you're socially accepted in your public face does not mean you're a nice person, uh, and vice versa. So, yes, I like all of that. It's a good theme to roll around. Don't judge people by their appearances, obviously. It also just calls out a lot of the Satanic Parent stuff of the 90s and 80s as really goddamn stupid, which it is. Uh, it's kind of funny, too, because they have an actual demon walking around. They're still morons. So, you know. In addition, it kind of t wraps up the lingering plot lines of the government facility and sets us up for our final villain, along with some revelations about the Mind Flayer and the Upside Down as a whole, which were interesting. And I will get to in the spoiler section. The effects in this season are definitely good. Uh, generally just amazing effects. I love the Nightmare World. I love the mental attacks. And they keep it up here. The battle in the Upside Down is definitely one of the more stunningly visual things. It shows from all the different segments of the plan. You've got the people in the real world. You've got the people uh, running running between them, to, acting as a distraction. The others trying to take down the demon in the house. The ones acting as bait. It's great. It's fantastic. Everybody gets a moment to shine. Everybody has something to do. Their plan is well thought out, which you like to see. In addition, the stuff in Russia takes a definite uptick in part two. I'm not going to say too much about it, but I will say that I'm really glad to see Joyce and Hopper doing some stuff. In addition to that, Vecna is... Definitely a lot of fun. Seriously, I'm really behind him as the new villain. 
Although I did kind of like the cosmic horror of the Mind Flayer, and I think they did slightly strip away its cosmic horror, although it's still kind of there because he's just an extension of it at this point, but we'll talk about that eventually in the spoiler talk. The actors, like I said in the first review, are all on point. You, If you are looking for this review, you can find it in the description, uh, either on YouTube or my podcast sites. Either or. You'll see, still see it down there. And in general, Stranger Things has always had this little magical thing to me where they managed to keep good actors they've had since children. Like, in the first season, these these were child actors who were good. I, having watched Obi-Wan Kenobi, it just blows me away that they all do it. And the lead 11, um, what's her name? Millie Bobby Brown. Great actor. I can't wait to see what she does. Because she seems to see someone who's actually been a child actor and is going to grow up to be, like, a really good actor. Like, I genuinely think she has what it takes to do some cool stuff as an adult. And I will look for her name on future things. As for everyone else, we got Winona Ryder as Joy- Joyce Byer, obviously. And we got David Harbour as Jim Hopper. They're the two main adults. They're trapped in Russia, so we got the kids working together. I'm not going to go over every character because, holy shit, there are a lot of characters in this. But in general, the main group is cool. We got the teenagers, we got the kids, we got Eleven and her government facility pals. It's all nice. I don't really have much more to say on this. Effects are good, acting's good, the plot's definitely a payoff for what came before. All in all, having judged season four is a complete entity now, I will give it a nine out of ten. I actually think this was better than season two. I think season one was still the best. It had a really tight plot there. But if I had to rate these currently, and let's just say I will, because it's in the script, I will rate it season one, season three slash four, I flip-flop on that, and season two. Season two wasn't bad, it just felt lacking compared to the other two. Uh, And the whole body snatcher vibe of three was really cool, so. hmm. Anyway, with all that said, I hope you guys enjoyed this, and we're going to be moving on to the spoiler section. Nine out of ten, watch season four. All right, everybody go on who doesn't want spoilers? Perfect. So, we have spoilers. Okay, so, as you guys know, based if you've watched my first review or listened to Spoiler Talk there or just watched this series already, uh, or even just watched, like, the first seven, uh, first seven episodes, you will know that Eleven was in a facility with a bunch of other kids who were all given numbers. They were all psychic kids that the guy was experimenting on. And Vecna is one of those psychic kids. Specifically, he's one, the first kid they found with psychic powers who killed his family using those abilities. Uh, in the first movie, in the first season, it was actually a big mystery of, hey, wait, wait, the Upside Down hasn't been around that long. Eleven only opened the door to it like a few decades ago the first time. And even when she fully opened the door, that was only like a few years ago. So how on earth is it still around? How was, how on earth was Vecna able to kill people back then? And there's this big mystery of like, hey, what was he doing in the 50s? Was there another door in the 50s or something like that? Is this the first time or the second time they opened the upside down? Uh, but it turns out Vecna was just a kid and he was a little twisted because his family wasn't exactly that gr- as great as they like to pretend they were. Um, or something like that. He says that, but eh, he might just be a little fucked up in the head. Anyway, he got really creepy obsessed and ended up murdering his whole family with his psychic powers after after tricking them into thinking they were haunted. In doing so, though, he overtaxed himself and the government guys found him. After that, they started scooping up other kids with psychic abilities, using him as a sort of lightning rod. And he found a common soul in Eleven. When he scheduled a breakout and slaughters all the other kids, he tells Eleven that she's the most powerful of them. 
and she was the only one who really mattered. The others were just prey. Uh, Eleven kicks his ass and throws him to a wall, which caused the other facility people to worry that she'd gone off the deep end and done all the murdering until they checked the security tapes. However, it did lead to her, her being restrained because, you know, she's clearly powerful enough to rip a hole into another reality. Which, you know, kind of hard for them to keep her contained. Which eventually leads to the first part of season one and the whole thing with them keeping the Demigorgon locked up in the basement. All in all, a good backstory, nice setup, and it sets up Vecna as one. When he got blasted through, he got corrupted by this other reality and eventually became a part of the Mind Flayer, acting as sort of its, you know, captain or lieutenant. It goes, he's breaking into the main world in order to create portals, which he'll eventually be able to fuse together into a massive tear that will turn the entire town of Hawkins, Indiana into essentially a giant, open, gaping wound in reality. Which, really cool. Like it. Uh, this actually happens near the end. See, they manage the last victim. He needs four victims to do it. And he re- they re- the kids realize that even if they can save uh, Max, that he's already killed three people. He only needs to kill one more. So it's not going to be that hard for him to finish his job. So they decide to use Max's bait while teams in the real and upside down worlds uh, attack him from both ends with Dustin and the um, D&D guy. What's his name? Forget his name on top of my head. Uh, but he, they basically go off and try and attack him. They're going to distract the bats, which act as secondary eyes for the Mind Flayers, you know, hive mind network. And then the teenagers are going to go up there with some shotguns and blast him in the chest with Molotovs and shotguns and all that stuff they got from the discount army store. So yeah, pretty cool. Nice job. Great, great there. We also get the psycho, uh, basketball player who's trying to kill the D&D guy and thinks there's some kind of cult worshipping these demons. And he walks in on them using Max's bait and it's like, you wake her up right now. Because, you know, he thinks Dustin is like, not Dustin, uh, Lucas is sacrificing her to some demon or whatever. And Lucas tries to explain, but this guy is just so off the deep end by now. Like, it's not even funny. Like, even the other basketball players are like, dude, you can't just go around murdering people. Like, it's one thing to go after the guy we're nearly positive kill your girlfriend, but we're, we're not going to go help you hunt down some kids. We don't... Cult? I mean, seriously. Uh, he's just complete loony, too. Anyway. <laughs> we get a cool battle between Max 11 telepathically astral projecting herself into the fight. Uh, we have Hopper and Joyce trying to destroy the portal in Russia in order to help out because they realize the kids are in danger and they want to try and distract the Mind Flayer as well. We have... The uh, teenagers going in to fight the demon in his home turf because the whole thing is he's like 11. So when he actually projects himself into people's dreams to like break their bones and shatter their minds and stuff, he's sort of powerless in his normal body. The problem is his normal body's in the upside down, which is heavily defended by all sorts of monsters. All in all, interesting setup. Really like it. However, they fail. Now, don't get me wrong, the DD guy gets this really epic moment where he's like, uh, sacrifices his life for Dustin. Basically, they need to distract the bats, and so he, so he lets Dustin get into the other world, and essentially just offers himself up as like, come and get me! Uh, and he feels really bad, because the last time he, you know, saw this stuff, it was when that girl was getting attacked, and he just ran away. Um, which, you know, <clears throat> obviously he didn't want anything to do with that. So, he's, this is sort of his moment of, I'm not running away this time. Uh, and he actually does. He distracts the bats long enough for them to get uh, good shots on Vecna. Although Vecna's only been weakened, he manages to escape, which sets up season five. And Max does die, although they managed to reconstitute her with Eleven's power. So she only died for a little bit, but it was enough to open a tear in reality and snap. 
we got ourselves a giant gaping portal. At first, everyone thinks it's an earthquake, and there's a bunch of recovery stuff and these scenes of them, you know, all the all their families dropping off blankets and stuffed animals and anything they get their hands on to help the people who've been displaced by the giant cross-shaped gouges in the earth, uh, which was apparently accompanied by a 7.4 magnitude earthquake. Until the gouges, which have been on fire for a little while, turn out they're not fire, it's the otherworldly smoke from the Upside Down. It now started raining ash, or whatever that stuff in the Upside Down is constantly flaking everywhere is, upon the world itself, causing the plants to wither and decay. Literally, the poison of the Upside Down is spilling out into our reality. And that means the Mind Flayer has a giant door to walk straight through into our world. So yeah... Not great. <clears throat> uh, oh, in addition, the military is after the uh, kids because they killed the faction of the military that was working on the experiments. And they blamed Eleven for the murders. So they don't even have their government assistance anymore. Which kind of sucks. Unless that asshole general who couldn't understand that Eleven wasn't killing people across the country. It was freaking another reality monster from, you know, the other reality, which they've clearly documented. They have documentation of monsters coming through from that reality and killing people. I'm sorry, Mr. General. It's not Eleven who's lost her powers. It's the goddamn Mind Flayer and his new general. <sighs> that guy just really annoyed me. Because all the characters, like, he, all the um, military people who work for, like, Eleven's quote-unquote father keep telling him it's not Eleven, man. It's not Eleven. We've been taught to protect her because she's the only weapon we have. And he's just like, of course it's her. It has to be her. He's just being the dumb military guy, which is kind of sad because they try and give almost all the characters a sort of nuance, but this guy is just so boring. Like, he's just a roadblock to prevent Eleven from going home and solving the problem, honestly. Um, he's dumb. I wish he weren't in this movie. He's kind of sucks. This show, he kind of sucks. You know, also, he cannot read the goddamn room. <laughs> it's just pathetic. Anyhow, all that aside, yeah, this is a pretty good, pretty good season. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, it's tied with season three for my second favorite season. I don't think anything could top season one. Season one was just such a phenomenon, you know? And it had this air of mystery, this, this show. Like, even though the show has kept it, like, they have the mystery about Vecna slash one that's still... Really, really good. It's Henry Creel slash one slash Vecna. They even call him exactly that in the show. Um, the whole thing with his dad, who's still haunted by the cruelty of his son and believing it was some vengeful demon that killed his family, and that he saved his son, even though his son nearly killed him, is kind of twisted and dark. And I, I really like the twist there. Like, it, if you looked closely, you could have figured it out. I guess that the kid was psychic. But I still thought that maybe he was, like, calling the Upside Down or something like that. No, no, he was freaking murdering them all. Oh, It's just, mm, beautiful. Those the, When this show wants to, it can really give off those horror vibes. And you forget that about the first season. The first season was a horror show. You had this monster picking people off from a distance. And Eleven only barely be at the end with Psychic Powers. The first season was this really close engagement... And Vecna returns to that horror. The way he dives into people's minds. There's no escape. He just haunts you, following you, until finally you break. And then your arms shatter. And your jaw bends. And it's just, yeah, he's scary. He's a scary villain. He's a freaking little psychopath who got psychic powers, grew up into a monster who slaughtered a bunch of kids, and is now merged with some eldritch abomination for another reality. 
He's terrifying. And he has the power to back it up. So yeah, mad respect to the guy playing Vecna. Really good job. Um, all in all, cool season. Cool ideas. Fun, weird premises. And a cool, odd 80s setting tinged with Cold War paranoia that's somehow come around to being relevant again. Russia, you can never just not be evil, can you? Like, is it is it a requirement that Russian leaders eventually have to gravitate towards being evil again? Like, it's a bummer, but, like, it feels like that's just the universal constant now. Ah, well. Anyway, that's about it. Uh, so this review is a bit shorter than normal. I basically said all I really wanted to say about this in the first review, so go ahead and check that out if you haven't already. I hope you guys enjoy the next review that's going to be over uh, the cat, the quarry. And then after that, we will be doing Ordinary Monsters. So, uh, game in a book. Oh, also, thank you if you are listening to this on YouTube for my newest subscriber. No life, no game. Thank you for subscribing. I just got that in a few, min- few hours ago. And it really brightened up my day. So, thank you for that. If you want to get your name called out in one of these, review- in one of these reviews, well, try and subscribe. <laughs> Don't say that often, but hey, it'd be nice. So, uh, yeah. See you guys next time. Bye! I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library 2. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. As always, thank you so much for all your support.